0: I'm excited to be here. With that being said, you know, I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of head coach of the uh, Minnesota Works. 4.7 seconds. gibson gotta get it in Welcome back to the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and we want to remind everybody that we have joined the Off The Ball Network, so we really appreciate wherever you are accessing us from, whether it's Nothing But Net, whether it's in podcast form on any of the podcast websites, you may listen. You can also check out all the other great shows on Off The Ball Network. Go to offtheballnetwork.com, and you can check out all that coverage, whether it's articles, other podcasts, radio shows, we have everything on OffTheBallNetwork.com, including coverage of all different sports. A reminder that we are sponsored by BetUS. BetUS is the newest sponsor of the Off The Ball Network. They have the fastest payouts in the industry and offer a 125% sign-up bonus when you use promo code OFFTHEBALL, in all caps, at sign-up. Head over to BetUS.com to sign up today. Again, that's BetUS.com, promo code BALL in all caps. All right, let's jump right into the action from last night's Wolves game. We do have a lot to touch on here. We are going to be talking about not only the Wolves, we are talking about the Iowa Wolves, as well as another look at the Golden Gophers. Took on the Islanders recently, and we will jump into that game shortly as well. But again, starting off with your Minnesota Timberwolves here, taking on the Nuggets. Going to this game, Wolves have lost 12 straight to Denver. Wolves 8-3. and three, and six in a row wins when they score 21 or more off of turnovers. So a thing to watch, I think, going into any of these games now coming forward. It's an important stat. Ultimately, it doesn't really tell you a whole lot. Of course, if you get the other team to turn the ball over and you score, you're going to be successful. But for whatever reason, 21 or more, that's the mark that the Wolves need to hit. Jokic, five triple-doubles in his last 14 games. So it's been a very impressive season for him, to say the least. Highest, how about this, highest five-man lineup net rating this season. Minimum 100 minutes played, and guess who the number one team is, and a number one team by a lot, and that is your Minnesota Timberwolves. So, Beverly, Russell, Edwards, Vanderbilt, and Towns, their net rating is 50. Next closest team is the Hawks, with Young, Herder, Bogdanovich, Collins, and Capella at 34.8, and then dropping... A lot more even still, you go to the Bucks, sitting at Holiday, Allen, Middleton, Antetokounmpo, and Portis at 15.9. So I found that pretty interesting. And then uh, taking a look at the Wolves' starting lineup here, and something I thought was pretty interesting, and that is, so Minnesota, we currently lead the NBA in offensive rebounds a game at 13.1. So pretty impressive there, and that has been the work of both Carl Towns, and Jared Vanderbilt, who have just been fantastic in that regard. I mean, it's not just that, right? They've had such a good season, but to me, that's a a pretty interesting uh, statistic, I guess you could say, to say the least. So we're going to jump right into the matchup here and uh, kind of go over, you know, how things got to where they were. By the way, only two refs in this game, which is interesting. Normally, you get three. One of the refs last second was pulled for health and safety protocols, and I would guess that if it wouldn't have been last minute, they probably could have found a replacement, but there just wasn't much you can do at that point. A bev three, and that is what starts the game off. Uh, How about this? I think this is interesting. As we go into last night's game, Carl Towns is 24 points away from 10,000 points. Pretty impressive there. On top of that, Anthony Edwards is very close to 2,000 points. Taking a look at uh, other players, so the fastest to reach... 10,000 points, and these are active players. So it's not just historical players as well. But you're talking LeBron James, 368, Kevin Durant, 381, Carmelo Anthony, 413, Anthony Davis, 425, Damian Lillard, 441. And you have Carl Towns. And he, if he gets it in this game, would be 435th or 435 games. So he slot right in there at the five spot. So very impressive. Anyone that wants to say anything about Towns? You know he's there for a reason. Uh, nine and two is the Wolves' run to start this game as they are on top, nine forty-seven to go in the first, and make it twelve to three and five of five from the field. This is the kind of start you need in every game, but especially when you're on the road, makes things so much simpler if you can have a little bit of momentum to start that game. Uh, Bev three threes already and he's absolutely dialed in, but it's not just him the whole team just seems to be playing with some sort of a fire. Towns is maybe to me more locked in than I have probably ever seen him and it is 20 to 9 the wolves are up with 7 minutes to go in the first. So if you look at the end of the Blazers game until 4:52, which is when Delo just checked out watching this game, I felt like this starting group of basketball players for the Wolves have played some of the best basketball that I've ever seen from a Wolves team. No questions asked. They were so incredible. Four Nuggets turnover so far. Zero for the Wolves. So great start in that aspect as well. Valuing the basketball is huge. Beasley comes in. Nothing changes as the Wolves able to push to a 16-point lead. Now on top 29-13. to 13. Now you had Noel and Jaden come in. Not Bomaro. And it really felt like that was the right call. I really want to see more Noel. Let's, let's take a look at what we have there. What can he become as a player? Edwards so far, 4 of 5 overall, 3 of 4 from 3. And in this first quarter, it just seemed like there was nobody stopping him. And then, how about this? So, a nice statistic. Most three point field goal makes, first 100 games. Duncan Robinson has 326. No one's catching that guy. But number two, Anthony Edwards sitting at 251. Uh, coming into to the game tonight, it is his, uh, f- let's say, take a look at, so first 100 games, 251's pretty good, right? Sitting there in second place, not too shabby at all, and uh, interestingly, Steph Curry, uh, after his first 100 games, he was sitting at 200, so let that sink in, given that uh, Steph Curry is the all-time leading three-point makes leader. Beasley. Struggling early on, aggressive, but just not able to finish. Nuggets, meanwhile, keep scoring nonstop. And just like that, it is a seven-point game. So far, watching this one, it really seemed like the Wolves' bench uh, was hurting them. They weren't able to make as large of an impact as you needed. The second the the starters go out, and all of a sudden the bench just seemed like they were a little bit of a liability. And that's a little tough, because our starters are so good, it would be almost impossible for there not to be some sort of a drop-off. Beasley ends the quarter. He gets called for a charge, and uh, his minutes were, to me at least, in that first quarter, uh, pretty forgettable. Like you want to forget those minutes, 100%. Nuggets are on a 13 to 6 run to end the quarter, but the Wolves are still on top, 40 to 32. Beasley sticks with it in the second and uh, has a nice and one, it has the Wolves back up nine. Crazy thing here, so he goes to the line. And they talk about how Beasley only has 23 free throw attempts on the entire season. That was very, very, at least to me anyways, I thought that was very surprising. Uh, Jaden, by the way, starts this game off 2 of 2 from 3. If there was a way to get him to be consistently a good shooter, above average, right? If we can get like in the high 30s, that would be ideal. I mean, that would be fantastic if you could figure out a way to get that. It just hasn't occurred so far. So 2 of 2 in this game against the Nuggets. You're very pleased there. And just like that, Wolves back up to 14 after the steal and the Vando transition dunk. Second, Wolves are up to 11 of 16 from 3, which is a crazy stat. And the 9 they made in the first quarter tied the team record from all time. And how about this? Watching what we were able to see from Nasri defensively in that second quarter. Are we talking Nasri Gobert? Because he was out there defending the rim. He looked so good. There's so many things in this Wolves game that just felt like if you could find a way to bottle them up and continue to do them in other games, it would be so... I mean, it would change the forecast for this team. That's the bottom line. D'Lo in this game, the MVP, at least for me. And if he could play the whole game, this is kind of how I felt. When he's on the court, we're just so much better than without. If there was a way to play him the entire game, I would do it. It's just not realistic, obviously, given he's a player that uh, has a tendency sometimes to get injured, as we've seen Uh, So far this season. Unfortunately, some luck and some laziness. And just like that, Nuggets are back within 10. But good timeout by Finch. He has shown uh, throughout this season. He understands when to call timeouts. The timing is something that not all coaches understand. And it's pretty clear that Chris Finch understands that. So it's good to see. Uh, One thing he does not understand, it appears, is Josh Okogie, who ends up coming in here in the third and I just shook my head when it happened. I don't understand why Josh Kogi plays. Why are we not using Jalen Noel? Why are we not using whoever the case may be? I just Josh Kogi is such a liability on offense. And on defense, I just don't see him when I watch games, I don't look at Josh Kogi and say, Wow, that guy's just dominating on that end. I don't see that. It's no different than the talk about Bumaro, right? Yes, there's games where Bumaro is so good on the defensive end. You aren't as worried about the offensive end. But we're not seeing that with Josh Kogi. It's a constant concern. They don't have to guard him. That is absolutely a problem. Edwards, by the way, three-point shooting just has been unstoppable when you're looking at this game. And Wolves now up 17 with 520 to go in that first half. A uh, Kind of a funny moment. Beverly absolutely flops, gets the call on Campazo. And Compazzo was not happy. And as Jim P points out, well, you know what? This is kind of a taste of your own medicine. Because as anyone knows, uh, Composo has been known as a flopper. So good to get him a taste of his own medicine. I'm not a big fan of flopping at all. It frustrates me. But in this case, it benefits the Wolves I'll allow it. Jaden, by the way, another three. And now the Wolves are up 20. It was tough to really put into words how good the Wolves looked in so many stretches this game. And that got them up to 14 threes for the game. You love seeing the Wolves flourish without D'Lo. And I have to credit, at least, I'm going to say this initially. Initially, Josh Okogie, the first however many minutes he played, he looked pretty good uh, on both ends. It was good to see. Unfortunately, though, Wolves, too many lapses throughout this game. As I watch, I think they could have easily been up 30 points. But it just seemed like too many times they made mistakes fell asleep, and they couldn't continue these runs. And all of a sudden, it's a 12-point game again. Jim Pete asks during this telecast, same question I think we're all asking, why Josh Akogi over Jalen Noel? And I think it's a valid point. Couldn't agree more, Jim. I don't understand why this is... Why do we feel the need to play Josh Akogi when he doesn't help us? I don't know. I would love for someone to ask that question. In this game, why, would, why wouldn't we just stick with Jalen Noel? Why wouldn't we go with... Bomaro. I just don't understand Josh Kogi. I'm not, I'm just not a fan of his as a player. As a person, he seems like a great guy. There's things to like. I understand that. But as a player, I just don't, I just don't get what he brings to the table that justifies playing him. And and I have to say this again, and Jim Pete touched on it during this game, those weird, like, kind of stupid ball hog heat check shots, I just don't get it. It's not common. I will say he started to take it off a little bit, but this whole like I'm going to dribble, I'm going to dribble through my legs a bunch of times. Jim P talked about this and I think it's a valid point. The players just staring at you going, "What are you doing?" They watch your legs, they know you're not moving, they're not buying it, and you end up just taking a step back 3. I don't I don't think that we need to have that in our game. The step back 3 part, not that. This whole we're going to dribble the ball around in in place for, you know, 10 seconds. I just don't see how that benefits, and it's not successful. Dilo able to hit the team's 15th three, and that actually ties the franchise record for threes and a half, and there's still 220 to go. Wolves up 17. Also, 17 assists to just two turnovers. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And 75-261 is the score at the half. Honestly, lucky for the Nuggets. I felt like the the Nuggets were lucky it was this close. Wolves, by the way, hit 16 threes, Time or uh, setting a new franchise record. Defensive three, meanwhile, called. So jumping into the second half, uh, defensive three seconds called on the wolves. Meanwhile, Jokic gets to just camp in the lane, and if you count it, he's in there for it was four or five seconds. I actually went back and and did the counting. It just depends on when you kind of start that count, but it was definitely to me. It seemed like it was at least four seconds. Jim Pete went back and counted it. And he counted his weird because he didn't start it when he got into the lane. So maybe I'm misunderstanding that rule interpretation. I'm going to do a little more digging there to make sure I'm understanding that right. But very next possession, Vano goes straight up, and it's a foul. And I know there's only two refs, and so I, I really tried to watch this game with that in mind. But there was definitely a stretch here in the third where I felt like the Wolves got a lot of bad whistles. Jokic Towns in this game, to me, has been must watch. Jokic, at this point, already almost had a triple-double. Carl Towns has kept his emotions in check and was clearly just dialed in start to finish. This was a fantastic matchup. And as Jim Pete talked about during the telecast, it was good to see center-center. A lot of times we see teams that don't have their center guard him. They have a center guard, Vando, for example. One reason why teams maybe have to start changing that is if you start to see Vando... Makes some threes. Now, granted, in this game he did not keep that streak alive. Would have loved to see it, but he didn't even get an opportunity to. We didn't need to do that. You're playing well enough. It just, it's one, it's something you don't need to necessarily go out of your way to do. But the more games we do it, the more sample that the rest of the league has, and the more they have to actually watch for it. Towns, a tough charge call, and this goes back to what I just said. There was a portion in that third quarter where I really felt things were a little rough. There was a number of possessions in a row where I felt like the whistles really hurt the Wolves. And just like that, the lead is now 11. Towns gets one back, though, as Jeff Green gets called for a block. Malone challenged it. As Jim Pete says, thanks. You're going to lose that challenge, and you just lost a timeout, and he was right. And it was quick. This came back fairly quickly as well. Something we don't see much anymore is a D-low shot, but the Wolves still up 14 points in that third quarter, and then a play, I, this Jokic shoves Vando in the back to create space, ends up getting the easy layup, a little frustrating there, and then Towns, he hits the three, and that does it, that was his 10,000th career point, so pretty impressive to see him be able to accomplish that in such a, for the most part, quick, quick amount of time, very impressive career Carl Towns has had. And I, for one, hope he continues to have this impressive career in Minnesota. I think he's going to have a long career. He's not a guy that's been, so far to this point, knock on wood, injury prone. And hopefully that continues. And hopefully he can start to have more success here in Minnesota. One thing I noticed in this game, Beverly far too often got stuck guarding Jokic. I just, that's not going to help. You add in how friendly Jokic whistles are, and that's just going to set yourself up for failure. Beasley back in. As the lead is up to 17, I say to myself when he gets back in the game here, can he get back on track? We've seen a number of games in a row now where you start to think, all right, this is it. He's got some momentum in this game. He can bring it into the next game and he can start off strong. And we just have not seen that. I, for one, think it eventually happens. Here's the question. Does it happen in Minnesota or does it happen somewhere else? I do think he's a name to watch for to get traded. I don't think that's I'm not shedding light on some crazy topic. I think most people understand that Malik Beasley is one of those players out there that has value across the league. He's notoriously a good shooter. He's been down this season. We get it. But teams understand that that's a player that could definitely help them off the bench. Or, depending on the team, starting. Uh, there's definitely a good argument that on a lot of teams, Beasley could start. It just depends on the team. Edwards, another three. He gets it back to 20 yet again. Still so much game left as we're we're sitting here about you know a little over halfway through the third quarter. You're up twenty, that's great. But the Nuggets are a good team and they can start scoring at any time. You know, the one thing I noticed here, Jokic, you know, yes, he gets friendly whistles, but he also himself now has three fouls as Towns pushes the lead to twenty-two after a ten-o Wolves run. Edwards another three. And how about this? The Wolves hit 101 already in the third. And this is a cool stat. All time, the Timberwolves coming into this game 28-5 and when they are able to score 100 or more points by the third end of the third. And at this point, they're up 23. And yes, that's right. Ant hits his 2,000th career point. Jokic, triple-double, ends up getting his sixth of the year. I mean, this is a pretty crazy game. You get a Jokic triple-double. You get a Carl Towns, ten thousand point. Anthony Edwards, 2,000th career point. The odds of this happening have got to be slim to none. So it was a really cool game to see. If you missed this game, you really missed out. There was a lot of fun. Jokic, Towns, Embiid, Towns, there's just certain games, there's certain matchups you don't want to miss, and this is one of them. Towns has three fouls, unfortunately, to join Jokic after what I would say is just an awful call. And I, I, I say this, I watched back, watched the replay, I just don't get it. Jeff Green gets superstar calls now? When did When did that start? Carl Towns can't even get superstar calls. We're giving him Jeff Green. Uh, (laughs) it's not what I want to see. A cat three, though, and he is now up to 30. Wolves up 23. 29 seconds to go in the third. Akogi answers by fouling a three-point shooter because we're so excited that that guy's in. Just frustrating. Uh, Wolves and Nuggets start the fourth. Let's jump into there. Both teams start that off very slow. Unfortunately, the Nuggets were able to fight back a little bit and get it down to a 17-point game as teams were really trading misses for a pretty good stretch. Nas and Vando, some hard fouls. And in this game, both guys took really hard fouls kind of on their tailbone or their back. Definitely seemed like they were in a lot of pain. And my only concern is, are they going to miss any time? As I'm watching this, we haven't heard anything at this point. But, you know, when the game ends, the adrenaline wears off. Does the pain get worse the next day? Those are questions I was curious on. Marcus Howard, speaking of injuries, unfortunate a really bad looking knee injury. You hope it's someone not as bad as it looks, but man, he was in a lot of pain and it really looked bad. So uh, prayers up to him and hopefully it ends up being uh, not as serious again as it looks. Uh, Finch, very, very mad at another really bad call. Jaden gets shoved and they called the foul on him. How does, how does that work exactly? Uh, again, in the second half here, there were just a few plays. Not a ton, but there were enough where I wanted to mention it. You know, again, though, two referees, that's tough. And ultimately, I thought this was one of the, the fr- more friendly games the Wolves have had from the referees. And so do we need to go with two from now on? Because whether it was Towns, Edwards, guys were able to get to the free throw line. And normally, the Wolves just don't get there that often. And it's not for a lack of trying. And it's not for a lack of fouls. So, unfortunately, also in that second half, Jaden just not able to keep up his shooting. In that second half, he had a bunch of misses. And we're talking wide open shots from three. I don't know what it's going to take to get him to be consistent, but something's got to give. Same with Beasley. Same with D'Lo. We need these guys to start hitting shots. That's, That's just the bottom line. Eight minutes to go, though. Wolves have 22 points off turnovers. Keep in mind, the magic number is 21 or higher. So, things are looking up. Nuggets back down to 14 down, and I'm feeling nervous. i got to say, I'm feeling nervous with seven minutes to go in the fourth. Jokic ends up getting his fourth foul. You'll take that. Uh, you're very happy to see that play. And then Towns actually gets his fourth as well, unfortunately. An offensive foul on a three. They didn't show a replay, but the call was that he kicked out. Towns was you know, doing his normally, what? What was I supposed to do? What, what are you talking about? They didn't show a replay, unfortunately. It's tough to really say one way or the other. But I think we can all agree that just because Towns is upset at the call doesn't mean it was a bad call. That's kind of where I look at it at this point. Edwards able to get a steal. He gets the shot blocked though. Very impressive play by the Nugget. I can't think of his name or how it's pronounced. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna butcher it. So we're gonna move on from there. But a really nice play by him. Edwards slowed down a little bit, and unfortunately, it ended up costing him. And that just like that, a 12 point game with 5:45 to go. And it's make or break time. Town's answer is right back, though, fortunately. And that's the Wolves' first make from the field for the entire quarter. So they started the fourth, one of 12. Really, really, that's not the answer. And three, Wolves are back up 18, and he has 32, 414 to go in the game. Make it 35 as he hits a huge step back three, up to 21 points, and then make it 38. Ten threes as he hits a three from the logo. And the Wolves are up 22 with three minutes to go. And at that point, I felt pretty confident about this game. And uh, let's look at the stats here for Anthony Edwards. 38 points, 14 of 21, 10 of 14 from the three-point line, five rebounds. Just incredibly impressive. So much to like from this Wolves team. If you miss this game, again, you're missing out. That's so all i got to say. You're missing out. This was one of the more fun games, especially because the Wolves, you know, wire to wire. They, they dominated this one, which is good to see. Anytime you can get a win on the road, you're going to take it, especially against one of your rivals in the Denver Nuggets. So lots to like there. The final score in this game was the Wolves win it 124-107. to 107. So a solid victory. You're very pleased if you're a Wolves fan after this game. Uh, taking a look at the box score... Who were the guys? We obviously talked about Anthony Edwards getting it done. You like seeing 3-for-3 uh, three three from Vando. 12-of-18 from Carl Towns. Overall, the team shot 51%. I mean, you'll take that. Nasri could have been a little more efficient. Same with Jaden McDaniels. No shock there. Malik Beasley, another guy that just didn't seem to have it. The starters set the tone for this team. There's a reason why they are statistically one of the best, if not the best teams or best lineups if you look at net rating specifically of course there's just lots there's lots to like here you know 38 points for Edwards 32 for Towns 11 for Beverly 16 for Russell a lot of guys jump off the page and did some really positive things you look over at the other team Jokic obviously got that triple double Jokic actually finished this game he was 27 11 and 10 very impressive but a minus 17 And if you look at actually, most of their bench was a positive. Shout out to Zeke Najee, by the way. I thought in his minutes he looked really good. I have not watched a lot of Denver Nuggets basketball, but he's really started to shine is my understanding, and he definitely looks like a player that belongs. I was not super high on him coming out of the draft. Not that he was a bad player. Not that he was going to be a bad player. I just wasn't as high as him on some. It's good to see he's starting to carve out a role as a role player with the Denver Nuggets. All right, we're going to move on now to uh, more things, and that is, of course, jumping into coverage of our Iowa Wolves. But first, let me give you this message. Unlike all the other bars out there that taste either like old Play-Doh or a piece of cardboard, when you eat a built Bar, you will think you are cheating on your diet with a delicious chocolate dessert. If your kids find out how good these are, you're going to have to buy more because they will be begging for them. They have great flavors such as cookies and cream, double chocolate, strawberry, Peanut butter brownie and much more. Use the code OFF THE BALL in all caps at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. Again, that's OFF THE BALL all caps at checkout to get a 10% discount at Built.com. All right, let's jump into the action from the Wolves and the herd. Iowa Wolves, of course, herd are very good, coming in eight and two. Wolves sitting at five and five. Wolves, by the way, need to win both of these games of this series to have any chance to be a part of this tournament uh, coming up this weekend. Wright is back from concussion protocol, which is good to see. Wenyon Gabriel, I got to say this as I'm watching this game, that guy is a big body. He can definitely play inside, and that's going to be a tough task, I think, for the Iowa Wolves. But if anyone can find a way to be successful there, it's definitely going to be Chris Silla. Maybe Jordy. Jordy's got some size, but he's still so unpolished. That's going to be a little tough. 5-3, the herd up early. And I'm glad to see Edwards hit a three, though, as he seems generally to start off a little slow, so it's good to see him hit right off the bat. Wolves fight back, and the Bowen bucket has the Wolves on top, 10-7, 8.45 to go in the first. Wright makes it 13-7. Wolves double up the Herd after the Silva dunk, 18-9. Herd struggling at the line, and it already cost them six points. Another game, another Silva push, drive, and score. I just don't see how you can watch the Wolves play at this point and not be high on Silva. Wolves, a little sloppy and fast, get the herd back within 5, 443 to go. Samson, though, looking good off the bench, has a quick 5 points already. Miller and Barry come in. Barry needs to get back to being solid. To me, start of the season, I really liked what he brought as a veteran and you're just not seeing it now. I don't know if it's, he needs to take a break or what, but we just aren't seeing it. Miller, meanwhile, what we need him to do is what he did the previous game, and dominate on both ends. We've seen it time and time again. He has that ability. Is he going to be able to do it this time? Lots of one, lots of one and dones, unfortunately, or fortunately, for the herd. Wolves, honestly, had some stretches of just really solid defense throughout this game. A very good team game so far, as everyone is contributing. It is to 33-24. Iowa is up after one. Samson hits what the announcers describe as a 26-footer. Love his range. We've seen that throughout the season. That guy has fantastic range. Hopefully, he can continue that and maybe get a little more consistent just in terms of how many attempts he gets off. Wolves' defense, a bit lackluster so far in the second, but also live ball turnovers have given Hurd some easy points, and that really hurts. Miller, an impressive steal, a push, and then maybe the worst missed layup you'll ever see. Could not have been more wide open. And that's going to be a trend here as we talk about these two games. The struggle at the rim for Isaiah Miller. Wolves up 40-37, to 37, but the Herd have all the momentum. And the only reason that they aren't on top is more missed free throws by the Herd. A dangerous play. Silva goes for the transition dunk. And while in the air, he gets fouled. Thankfully, he was not hurt. Defense rebounding been a bit of a problem in the second. Too many second chances for the Herd have definitely had an impact on the game. Wolves don't seem to ever have consistent big games from any one individual post, you know, when you get past Miller, Wright, Silver, and Bowen, the guys that are fairly consistent, but usually it's one guy steps up. It just isn't always the same, and this game has been a bunch of different guys stepping up. Samson, Edwards, that's how you're going to get a nice victory is a nice team win. Wolves sloppy, fast play for a stretch. Gets the lead down to 5 with 30 seconds to go and make it 3 after a tough, tough make for Gilmore on the herd. And it's 57-54 at the half. Uh, going over some of the numbers at the half, by the way. So, again, it is uh, 57-54. Wolves uh, Silva 11-5. And you got Edwards 11-3. Isaiah Miller 11-3. These are guys that are stepping up. It's good to see over on the herd side of things. Uh, some nice performances from Tucker and uh, Gabriel. How about uh, Gabriel? Four points, but eight boards getting the job done there. And a couple other scores: Jalen Lequeu with seven and eight for Jones. Now we jump into the second half. Uh, one issue is Silva has four follows already. Almost gets his fifth early in the new half. Wolves, though, look great on both ends to start. Back up nine and then make it 11 as Bowen, a pretty finish at the hoop. Herd meanwhile just rushing things on offense and then it's 13. Wow, a 10-0 run and largest lead of the game as the Herd call timeout. Silva, his fifth on an illegal an illegal screen, still over 8 to go. And honestly, you watch it, completely a silly foul. He sort of shoved the Herd player off of a screen. Now you need big minutes for Jordy. Is he going to be able to step up? Good start for Jordy as he hits a cutting Edwards with a great pass, and Edwards is now up to 15. We've started to see more consistency out of Edwards recently, which is nice. That's the kind of thing that's going to lead to a lot more success when the regular season starts for the Wolves. Wolves, though, get a bit sloppy as they continue to foul. Miller fouls a screener. The shooter gets free throws. It was kind of a weird thing, and the announcers didn't get why the guy that wasn't fouled gets free throws. The only thing I could think of is that Miller kind of pushed him into the shooter a little bit. I don't know. It was kind of tough. Uh, He makes it, and it's a one for three. So keep in mind early in the games that if you get fouled on three, you only have to make one free throw to get three points. And just like that, it's a five-point game. Samson, another super deep three. And I say it before I say it again, that guy is showing off Curry range. I'm not saying he's Steph Curry as a shooter. I'm just saying he has that ability to hit from really deep. 14 Wolves turnovers so far in this game. That's just not going to get the job done. And with two minutes to go in the third, it is just a three-point game yet again. 84-88 as Miller hits a buzzer-beater three, but the end of the third was honestly overall less than ideal. The four starts with Silva and Jordy out, and Ben Levy in as the small ball five. That's what we used to see with the Iowa Wolves. When Chris Silva went out, we went small ball. And we're trying that again here. Miller with a bad turnover, and his second half just has not been as good as his first. Although... I say, As I say that, he gets a great block on the defensive end. 849 and the game is tied. This group has played very poorly. And now the herd are on top by two. Oof. When I'm watching this, this is frustrating. Miller gets called for a foul. An absolute flop. But it adds to the herd having the lead and all of the momentum. I'm watching him. I feel like I would pull Miles and get right back in. Sooner than later, we need Silva in. And that's despite the foul trouble. At a certain point, you're going to lose the game anyways. You have to make some sort of a change. Barry, a wide-open three, miss. Another game he brings very little. And then he just throws a behind-the-back fast, throws it out of bounds. And the only thing I can say that would describe the way Barry's playing recently is yuck. Silva takes a charge, and it's a clear charge. But what a calculated risk for a guy that has five fouls. If that's an offensive foul, he's gone. They challenge it in hopes that Silva fouls out, but it's clearly a charge, and it was one of the quickest replays you'll ever see, and that nothing happens there. We do change the lineup, though, and it clearly makes a difference as Silva and Wright just seem to be kind of a calming presence out there, kind of veterans in a way. Not that Wright's a veteran as a rookie, but my point being that those guys just seem to have that calming presence. Tied at 96 as Silva hits the putback, 5.30 to go in the 4th. Bowen has the Wolves back on top with five to go. Right, an absolutely amazing drive and finish. That's what we've expected from him throughout the season, and that's what we've gotten at least at points in this game. It's very clear that he's not, to me, playing at hundred percent, but we are starting to see some nice things. Tied at ninety-six, Bowen's free throws get to the or Bowen gets fouled, makes the free throws, pushes the Wolves to a five-point lead with two minutes to go. Silva then pushes to seven. With free throws, 120 to go, and honestly, this one felt like it was over. Intentional following now for the Herd. Wright puts us up 9, and final score in this one, 113-102. to 102. Lots of guys contributed to this win, and you're beating one of the best teams in the league. Very impressive win for Iowa, who again, needed to win both of the games in this series. Jumping to game number 2, Wolves, again, need to win. They need lots of help as well if they're going to make the weekend tournament. No Briscoe in this game, as he has a wrist injury. Granted, he hasn't always been perfect when it comes to his play, but the one thing I will say is that he makes a lot of important plays, kind of like we talked about with Silva, like we've talked about with Wright. I think at times, Briscoe can be a calming presence, or at least just a player that is willing to do what needs to be done on the court. And I will say this, glad Gabriel is playing in this game and is okay, uh, for anyone that doesn't know this, he hurt his shoulder last game and he missed the second half. In the first half, actually, his hand got stuck on the netting when he was playing defense and uh, ended up messing up his shoulders. So good to see him uh, in this game. You don't want anyone to get hurt. You want guys to play. Of course I want the Wolves to win. We'd have a better shot to win if Gabriel didn't play. But that's uh, that's kind of where we're at. Sloppy start to this game as both teams already have a travel. Considering how rare travels are in the NBA or in the G League, uh, that tells you what kind of start we had. Announcer has it right. A hectic start, actually. Not exactly what I would call great basketball. 6-6 is the score, with 7 to go in the first. Lewis able to break the stalemate with a 3, and he has 5 already in the ballgame. 16-14 with 4.25 to go. So far, neither team able to pull away, even slightly, but the Wolves are on top after the Bowen 3. Miller struggling again early, much like we saw last game. Some awful Ole defense by him after missing the free throws and the Herd are now on top and then he follows that up sadly with another turnover a minute left, Iowa already 7 turnovers, only 3 for the Herd and the 3 for the Herd has them up 24-20 a Barry buzzer beater off the glass and after 1 it's 24-22 Herd on top 8 lead changes so far in the game Silva off so far very apparent as he loses what should have been a wide open layup or dunk He has four of the team's 10 turnovers. I look back at the last game where he had that kind of a sort of dangerous play. I don't recall the outcome of that, but I wonder if that was uh, something to do with this. Did he end up getting banged up? He ends up not playing much in this game. To me, when you watch the first game versus this second game here, it feels like a a different two teams. It's crazy. The Herd look like the much better team so far in this game. Three threes in a row for former Wolf Wigginton, 47-34, herder on top with seven to go and make it four and a 16-point lead, 5.30 to go. A pretty Edwards three gets him to nine, but the Herd always answer right back. Wright gets his first basket of the game, but it's big as it gets the Wolves back within 10 with 1.22 to go in the first half. Wolves fight to end the half and cut it to eight the Herd though are up 63 to 55. I'm uh, looking at some of the guys that stood out to me. Vince Edwards with 12 and 2 with three assists. You love seeing that. Bowen doing what he always does. Double digits rebounding. He does exactly what you'd expect. 10, 5 and 2 to get the job done there. You know, 6-2 and 3 from Miller off the bench isn't terrible, but you need to be better. And when you look at all the guys that are jumping off the page, Wright's name's not there. Over for the Herd, you have a number of guys. Lindell Wigginton, man, he just continues to impress in games where he plays, especially in Iowa. Jalen LeCue with 12, and you have Wenyan Gabriel, who thankfully is not hurt, but unfortunately for the Wolves, is playing well with 7 and 8. Let's jump to that second half. Silva has a back brace on after the half, and it looks like he will not be back in this game. I have to go back to what I said before. Did he get hurt in that previous game? Is that why he's having some back issues? Tough to know, but he's arguably the most important player on the Iowa Wolves. Without him, it's going to be tough to make a comeback. Edwards, though, up to 19. Unfortunately for him, no one else really has brought much in this game consistently. Meanwhile, the Herd are clicking. Lead is back up to 16. And even though it's early, I looked at this point, and it felt like this game was probably over. Uh, just ugly, missing Silva and Wright is invisible, only one of 7 so far. Thankfully we do have someone else joining the party, Bowen in a small Wolves run has it back to an 11 point game. Wolves get a little momentum and Barry just throws it away. I can't say enough about how frustrating he has been over this recent stretch. 19 turnovers now for the Wolves and still 228 to go in that's just less than ideal to say the least. Miller, by the way, bringing it on both ends, and now it's a six-point game. But oof, Ben Levy, two quick fouls, and with no Silva and Jordy struggling a bit, this is just not good. And it's a ten-point lead yet again, and then Miller misses a wide-open layup as he was kind of stuck in between a layup and a dunk, and it's the end of the third. Herd make an 8-0 run, and they end the quarter on top by 14. The 4th starts, and now it has been a 12-0 run as the Herd continued just to dominate this game, and the Wolves are down 18. It was just a few minutes ago. It was back to 6. Fortunately for the Wolves, they just did, have not, did not have enough firepower, not enough stops uh, to continue that. Miller, by the way, gets fouled on a dunk. Somehow it goes in. Uh, impressive there, but of course, what does he do as he always does? Free throw shooting is a problem in the fourth quarter for Miller. Barry finally gets taken out, thank goodness. And it's crazy how bad he has been lately. It just doesn't matter the game, it doesn't matter the opponent, defense, offense. Something just is not clicking for Barry right now. And it's, it's crazy to think because normally he is that guy that comes in and just gives you solid minutes as that role player. We're just not seeing that now. Miller loses it, and an easy-heard score, unfortunately, has it up to a 22-point game. Credit right, he has 12 assists so far. That's a quiet 12 assists because I had no idea that he had done that much in terms of setting up other players. Miller still can't consistently hit free throws. His confidence issues shooting are clear, as in this game specifically, he passed up a lot of wide open threes. Wigginton, though, for the herd, six of eight from three, and he just loves playing in Iowa. Former player here, he just feels comfortable, and it is all going right for him and the herd. Edwards gets called for a foul. I thought this was funny. He was being held by a herd player, and the ref said that he's the one that takes the follow them. Very strange, if you ask me. Uh, Jeff Newton then, uh, soon after that, actually gets a t, and despite being up twenty three, the herd challenge a foul call on Gabriel. Uh, very strange, and on top of that, they're up twenty three, and all their starters are still in with four minutes to go. Wolves now have three players over twenty points, though Edwards, Bowen, and Miller, and it is a fifteen point game. Keep in mind. Wolves are doing this, and all the starters are still in for the herd. Funny thing, they had, so on the technical, Waters told his teammates, so Miller ends up getting a technical, and Waters tells his teammates, don't worry, guys, I got this. And then he missed the free throw, and to see his teammates go at him after that was was pretty funny. The guy's like, oh, yeah, I got this, guys, don't worry. And then he doesn't make it. Uh, Miller, unfortunately, I'll say it again, I have to keep saying it, unfortunately, after this game. He is so bad at free throws. He missed, it seemed like he missed 100 free throws in this game. And I look at his game, just not this specific one, but his basketball game in general, and I just look back in his career and say, man, if he had just learned how to shoot at some point in his life, how good could he really be? But unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be in this one. 131 to 117 is the final. Wolves fought hard. But just didn't have enough firepower. Again, they lose this one, one thirty-one to one seventeen. By the way, you look at the end of this game, Isaiah Miller finishes with thirty points, very impressive, right? There's some things to take from this game that look pretty good. But overall, mostly, uh, mostly just unfortunate that the Wolves, you know, they lose Silva, they lose before the game. Uh, I they have uh, Briscoe that doesn't. Alright, so when this one finishes, so Brian Bowen finished with 13 rebounds, 3 assists, and 26 points. Vincent Edwards, 26 points, but 6 turnovers. 6 turnovers for Silva, who obviously didn't even play very much. 6 turnovers in 10 minutes. One of those games that's very forgettable. I think once the Wolves can get some of these players back and they can get healthy, they're going to make some noise in the regular season. Especially because now they're learning to play without Leandro Pomaro. They're learning to play without Nathan Knight. Although Nathan Knight He's only played one game for them, so that's not really a guy that they've ever had consistently. But ultimately, it's going to be a big thing. You look at McKinley Wright. McKinley Wright, only six points, but 14 assists. So you love to see that. If he can get back on track scoring-wise, that's going to be a big difference maker. I'm excited for the regular season to start uh, come the new year. So that's going to do it for our coverage of the G League and the Wisconsin Herd-Iowa Wolves series. And now we're going to jump into... The Gophers and coverage of their most recent win, Uh, a very fun game, and we're going to go over that now. But first, as seen on ABC Shark Tank and invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, Ice Shaker received offers from all five sharks on the show. Kitchen-grade, insulated, stainless steel that will keep your drinks cold and won't absorb odor like a plastic shaker bottle does. Created by the Gronk Brothers for anyone living an active and healthy lifestyle, the Ice Shaker is perfect for every drink, not just protein shakes. The patented twist in agitator will break up any powders but also works as a strainer to make sure you always get the perfect pour. Use promo code OFF THE BALL in all caps and help out the network. Again, that's SH- Ice Shaker and you can use the promo code OFF THE BALL in all caps. Visit iceshaker.com. <laughs> All right, so we jump into the Gophers now. You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. This is the Howl, and this is our Gopher coverage. We're going to look at the most recent game, Minnesota taking on Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. They are the Islanders. Gophers already five road and slash neutral wins on the year. Gophers come in 7-0 and against the Southland Conference in their history. Islanders 9-1 overall this year. Gophers 8-1. and Battle a deep three to start the Gophers, and they take the lead. Sloppy turnovers, though, for the Gophers in the first three minutes. What happened to the team from last game as all of these errors unforced? Gophers lucky to lead early on in this game. You know why? Great defense. Gophers, though, on fire from three as well, and you're not used to that. All of a sudden, Gophers out to an 11-2 to lead. Gophers start five of six from three. You want to find a way to win a basketball game? That's exactly how you do it. Stop guys from three. Score yourselves from three, especially efficiently like this. Gophers are big, but turnovers have still been a big issue in this game. Gophers' dominant defense are the reason they are able to keep the turnover issues in check. One aspect I notice, Gophers wall up and stay vertical really, really well. There's a lot of teams that don't do that, but elbows to ears. That is the key, and the Gophers do just that. Peyton is his third three, and we aren't even halfway through the half. 22-9, to nine, and the Govers are on top. Battle clearly makes it a point. When I watch him play, he makes it a point to rebound, and I love that he puts in that effort. There's a lot of guys, in, when it comes to basketball, rebounding is such an important skill to have, and some guys don't put in that work or don't put in that effort. It's good to see him do that. There's so many things that Battle brings to the table that are able to help the Govers in a positive way. Luke Lowy, the backbone of the defense. Ben Johnson says he only has one speed all out. He joins the three-fest, and it was it was a pretty-looking three. And just like that, Gophers are on top, 16-27-11. to 11. I wonder, as I'm watching this, what's the team record for threes? Because halfway through, already four for Willis. Islanders with an absolute flop, Gets a foul called on Sutherland. Already six turnovers for the Gophers. So the Gophers are lucky in multiple aspects. Good defense they're playing, but also they cannot miss, and that's the reason why things are able to stay all Gophers. Johnson ended up going a little deeper into his bench in this game, and that tells you how well the Gophers played in that first half. Most games, Gophers go just seven deep. Gophers average 7.43 makes a game, and they have eight already in this one. Islanders actually known as being a really good defense. So to me, it says a lot about the Gophers' performance. And, you know, I don't know the numbers, but at this point in the game, as we're kind of into that second half of the first half, Gophers just seem to be dominating the glass. Uh, Sutherland, two fouls, still over six to go, and he sits. Gophers, though, still up by 14, 32 to 18. 7-0 run, will have the Islanders back within 11. Johnson cannot be happy about that. Make it a 9-0 run after Curry, a really stupid pass, and a turnover. 17-5 to is the Gophers' rebounding advantage. 11 assists to just 3 for the Islanders. Gophers are doing a lot of really good things, but they just allowed too many runs for the Islanders. Whether it's this one later in the game, it was a common problem that you saw for the Gophers. For the Islanders, Delazarus Keys in foul trouble. 3 fouls with 126 to go. EJ Stevens, I got to say this, so impressive every game. He continues to shine, and it certainly seems like he's getting better. At halftime, Govers are definitely in charge here, 46-27. to 27, Govers were able to push that lead back up, and they are on pace to win 92-54. to 54. I'd say that's not bad at all. Going over the halftime stats, let's take a look here. For Minnesota, 63% to 35% from the field for Corpus Christi, 9-14 of 14 from three. 2 of 7 for Corpus Christi. 23 rebounds to 9 for Corpus Christi. And then turnovers, though, 11 to 2. So Minnesota on top there as well, which is a little unfortunate. Some of their stats here, the most points in a half this season, Willis and Stevens, 12 points each, 7 steals for Corpus Christi. That really says a lot, and that kind of sets the table why the Gophers are playing as well as they are, but also you got to make sure you take care of the basketball. Uh, interesting thing here is they talk about this during the game, 60-year seniors, career notes, Eric Curry and Peyton Willis. So Peyton Willis, if you look at his career, 2016 to 2018, he was with Vanderbilt. Minnesota, he was here 18 to 20. He went to College Charleston to one season and then was able to transfer back to Minnesota for this one. Let's take a look here. Eric Curry, uh, his Minnesota debut was November 11th, 2016. Missed 2017, and he missed 2019 because of his knee injury issues. They went over Andy Katz and his power rankings. I think this is an interesting uh, list to go over, especially given most power rankings had the Gophers as dead last coming into this season. A lot of it was just the unknown of a new coach, 10 new players coming into the season. So you you can kind of understand why expectations might have been a little low. So we'll start off number one is Purdue. They are nine and one. Ohio State number two at eight and two. 9 and 2 Michigan State is number 3 at 4 Illinois sitting at 7 and 3, Wisconsin 8 and 2 on the season. They're sitting at 5 and then number 6 we have the Gophers sitting at 8 and 1. Of course, Michigan right behind us at 6 and 4 as we just beat them, Indiana sitting at 8 at 8 and 2, Northwestern 7 and 2 at 9, Iowa 7 and 3 at 10. You have Rutgers 5 and 5 sitting at 11, Maryland 6 and 4 sitting at 12. Penn State five and five at thirteen, and rounding out the list at fourteen is Nebraska sitting at five and six. How about this statistic too? Before we jump into the second half, most minutes per game in the Big Ten, number one player, Jamison Battle at 38.4. No one else is even within two minutes. That's pretty crazy. You have Jalen Pickett at two, and then you jump into three. Three is Peyton Willis at 36. Eli Brooks, 35.1, and then you run up the list with two more Gophers, EJ Stevens at 34.9, and Luke Lowy at 34.4. Second half starts up as the Gophers come out swinging. A 5-0 run, and Islanders get a flop warning, actually. I didn't think this one was a flop, but they ended up giving it to him. I actually thought it was legitimately maybe going to be a charge, but it doesn't go that way, and I'll take it. Golfer's up 55-30 to 30 as Willis hits another 3. That's 11 for the team, and Curry already 10 boards, 4 points, 4 assists, and 2 blocked shots. 17-30 to go. Out of the timeout, Islanders on an 8-0 run. We talked about this in the first half. We allowed way too many runs for these, this Islanders team in this game. Just a, a frustrating thing, and that was an 8-0 run in just a minute of gameplay. Johnson, to me, When this game ends, he has to focus on these negative runs before next game, and this has to be addressed. With the team, 13 turnovers in this game already. The Gophers need to be better. That's definitely an area of concern. Run continues as another timeout, and it is all Islanders now. A 14-point game, 56-42 is your score. 16 turnovers now for the Gophers, only 3 for the Islanders. To me, that says a lot, and that's the reason why you're allowing the Islanders to be that much closer in this game. Can we talk about how much better Andy Katz is? I mean, worlds, worlds, worlds better than Brian Butch. Brian Butch is unlistenable. Andy Katz, fantastic. I'm a big fan of his when he covers games. Islanders, at this point, just seem to want things more right now, and you get the big leave, sort of fall asleep or lose focus is what I kind of felt like the Govers were doing. How about this? Five minutes, no makes from the field, but five turnovers. That is not going to get the job done. Islanders, though, get it to 11 points. It's getting close, and it's really ugly, including Gophers' rebounding issues all of a sudden, and the game is eight points, a 19-to-1 run, 12 minutes to go. Stevens finally ends the drought for the Gophers, and and-one, but of course, misses the free throw. Islanders, I'll give them credit, they hit some really tough shots, even when they, the defense was good in the second half, they had so much confidence at this point, it was almost too little too late for the Gophers. Gophers, though, finally answer a run of their own, hitting five straight shots, a 6-0, and back up 16 with 8.33 to go in the game. Islanders have 18 points off turnovers, Gophers just four. 36-22 is the Gophers' rebounding advantage. Could have been a lot higher, but they definitely had a stretch during that Islanders run where they were not as successful off the glass. Two minutes to go, though, and the Gophers are back up 16, 77-61. to 61. And at that point, you finally felt like it was safe. Islanders, though, how about this? They work back to within 8. 40 seconds to go. Again, I think Ben Johnson leaves this game less than pleased with how his team played. Sloppy. Turnovers were a nightmare. There were effort issues at time. Final score, 79-71. to 71. This game should not have been this close. And, yes, you get a win. I don't think if you're the Govers, you can leave this game happy. You needed to play better. You needed to be more consistent. You're not going to be able to have games like this against Big Ten competition. So you need to find a way to be consistent and give effort for the entire game. So that's going to be something that the Govers are definitely going to have to work on moving forward. Their next game, by the way, is coming uh, next Wednesday. And it takes place uh, so the 22nd. And that is against Green Bay. For the Gophers, 16 points, 8 boards, 3 assists for Jameson Battle, who obviously led the way there. 12 rebounds for Eric Curry. You'd like to get more points, but you'll take the rebounding. E.J. Stevens, 16, 6-3, 17, 4-3 for Peyton Willis. So many guys stepped up, and you love to see that. Oh, and actually, Luke Lowy, 12, 3, and 5. How can you not like what Luke Lowy brings to the table? So a win that you'll take, but a win that you're not necessarily happy about in terms of how you played at different stretches throughout this game. So that's going to do it for our Gophers coverage, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of The Howl. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Again, we are The Howl, your source for Timberwolves, Iowa Wolves, and now Minnesota Gophers basketball. If you missed any of this show on Nothing But Net, make sure you give us a listen on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you find podcasts, Spotify. We are going to be there. And until next time, Let me get a howl.